This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seidman. And earlier today, I had a really cool interview with Donnie Oliphant, who is from uh, the Dell XPS product group. And he talked very candidly about uh, how they bring products like these to market, what influences them, uh, even stuff down to how they design the keyboards, which was all really fascinating to me, and I think you might find it interesting as well. So uh, stick around for that in a second. I did want to say at the outset that there are a couple little audio glitches on there. I didn't hear it while I was recording, but uh, my audio was echoing back through him a little bit. So sometimes when I'm talking, you might hear a little bit of glitchiness on the recording, but uh, what you really want to hear is what he has to say, and things do uh, sound great from that front. So uh, without further ado, here is Donnie Oliphant from Dell. At least, I've, I've been buying Dells for a long time. They've always been kind of commoditized. Um, the company's private now, things are changing. So to talk about this design, like, you know, where did, what, what was the decision that drove something unique here versus something that was just more, more cautious? Um, sure, thanks, Lon. Uh, so I, I've been with Dell for 27 years. So um, I've been very fortunate enough to, to spend a, a great deal of my uh, career um, with Dell, my entire adult life anyway. Uh, and uh, a lot of those years were spent on the latitude side from a product marketing perspective. Uh, I've been on the consumer side now for about eight years. So um, I think the, the, the perfect storm for us is, is you know, in my life, we're, we're always waiting on technology. Uh, and the right pieces of the puzzle came together for us, uh, obviously with uh, a lot of hard work uh, from uh, not only the Dell engineers, but but some collaborative uh, members and, and strategic partners uh, on the outside of Dell as well. Uh, and basically, you know, the the big piece of the puzzle that was missing um, was was the panel, uh, the, the the mechanical packaging of uh, the Sharp panel that we use. We approached Sharp a couple of years ago uh, to go into this endeavor together um, to basically eliminate as much of the bezels as we possibly could. Um, our previous generation XPS 13 was launched in February of 2012 as the smallest 13-inch notebook on the planet. Um, those types of claims typically last, you know, minutes, if you're lucky, months. But the fact that um, even through to the launch of, of our current generation, uh, the new XPS 13, uh, that product still had the smallest footprint uh, in the marketplace. And so we really wanted to improve upon that um, with the new product. Uh, and, and, you know, Sharp bringing their, their panel technology, their EXO technology, actually allowed us to not only repackage uh, the, the display uh, to get the 5.2 millimeter bezels, uh, but it also allowed for us to do some other things within the base uh, that actually made this uh, a very well-rounded, a very balanced uh, Ultrabook, not something that's compromised with regards to performance or, or battery life or usability. We really... Uh, improved the product in every functional way, every facet of design and, and features uh, from generation to generation. So quite an accomplishment uh, to our engineers and, and our strategic partners. How do you get rid of bezels? Because this is, we've seen for years, there's always been a very big, large bezel around the side of these computers. What, what, was, what went into making this, this work on this particular computer? 
Um, I mean, honestly, it, it's uh, it's something that we've been chasing. I would I would say for a decade now. Obviously, um, I think um, we would we would go down the path of trying to remove bezels, and maybe we couldn't get to where we wanted to be, and and, and we ended up you know settling, if you will. Um, I think uh, you know you mentioned privatization uh, earlier, and, and uh, honestly, um, I think Dell has has done a great job of, of innovation. Um, uh, maybe from a more practical sense uh, over its entire life cycle. Um, but one of the things that, that uh, we've been doing, and, and far prior to privatization, I, I came into the consumer business uh, to launch our Adamo products um, back in the 2007-2008 uh, time frame. Uh, and, and really, we, we got a uh, kind of a different mindset uh, at the uh, leadership level to go and chase uh, true capability type products. So um, we can obviously drive costs down. We can we can deliver good, reliable, um, extremely innovative products on the commercial side with regards to security and manageability and those things. Uh, we really wanted to, to to pursue products that could be revolutionary from a design and a materials and a, and a functionality perspective. Intel has done an awesome job with their 15 watt solutions, their, their U um, architecture, if you will, um, on delivering the performance that we need um, with the thermal headroom and, and capabilities to drive these truly aggressive form factors. So it really, it really all starts with Intel. Um, I think, you know, you probably remember the netbook thing. Right. Um, it was awesome from a, from a price point perspective, but, but the capabilities of those systems weren't where they needed to be to, to truly represent a primary uh, productivity device. And what Intel's been able to do over the last, you know, four or five years is deliver us architectures that not only enable these aggressive form factors, uh, but they truly don't compromise on performance. So a 15-watt part that we're seeing today will far outperform a three- or four-year-old 35-watt part that Intel was producing at that time. Right, and we're seeing so, that on the tablet side, too, that there's just these, these tremendous gains in performance and reduction in thermal. So I guess in some ways you may have wanted to do this but couldn't, right, because the processors weren't there to be able to design a computer at this form factor? Yeah, so, so that's one piece of the puzzle. You know, one of the, the very difficult things, uh, and having been doing notebooks for 20-plus years, um, it's never, you know, what you decide to, to, to put in the box. It's always what you decide to leave out, and that, that's the compromise. A notebook, just in its general sense, is a compromised computer. Um, and so what we've tried to do over the last seven or eight years, and for me, my entire career, is truly refine those compromises and, and minimize those to the extent where we could get you, uh, you know, the type of products that we can put in front of you today. And, and this, is, this is good for the entire industry, right? At, at the end of the day, we all start with a focus on the consumer, the customer, uh, and, and really, you know, this isn't something that, that only Dell can do. This is something now that um, if, if you put your mind to it, any of the PC or our Apple obviously has done a great job in the past on delivering great hardware um, and, and customer experience. And, and that's really what we're all about is trying to deliver the ultimate customer experience with XPS. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, we, we've gotten some technologies to enable our, our current product. And I'm, I'm, again, waiting on more technologies to do uh, even more and, and greater things with our next generation products. So uh, it's, it's a great uh, and very cool uh, environment to be in um, to see this type of progression and uh, the type of advances that we're seeing now. Uh, and it's really, you know, boils down. There's no magic. It boils down to hard work and, and folks like 
um, uh, Intel and, and Sharp and others bringing technologies to the forefront that, that we can deliver these types of exciting products like the XPS 13. Let me ask you too about Apple because a lot of my viewers say, well, why, why, why do we have to compare everything to Apple? I mean, how, how much does Apple factor in, in your industrial design process? Certainly this doesn't look anything like an Apple. It's certainly got the same size perhaps, but I mean, is that driving things or is it just, it's just the fact that Apple makes a computer too? Yeah, I think uh, Apple's interesting, right? So um, Apple uh, is obviously, I think a lot of folks aspire to, to have Apple-type experiences. Um, they, they really, the one thing I will commend Apple on is um, it really feels like they're always focused on delivering uh, the next best thing, the next big thing anyway. Uh, and so they're focused around hardware, design, the materials that they've utilized for, for many years now. Uh, and then also the experiences pieces um, with their ecosystem and software, owning their OS. Um, they, they really do a good job, in my mind, of, of taking care of the customer. Uh, and we, on, you know, from a Dell perspective, uh, have also had that focus from, from the very beginning. Uh, having started on the commercial side of the business, the customer um, actually is probably more important to us uh, or has been traditionally uh, than even uh, someone like an Apple who is, is going to be led by design primarily. I'm not saying they don't focus on the customer, but, uh, you know, a great example would be the original MacBook Air, um, and which now is obviously a market leader uh, in that space, but everybody thought that, you know, two USB ports would never be enough, right? That compromise took something away from the customers. I think what we've, what we've realized over the last five, six, seven years is that that's okay on this type of a device. Um, so Apple's a, a real trendsetter. Um, I, what I'll tell you is that uh, I would need to be competitive with Apple, but I, I probably don't necessarily compete with Apple. Uh, and what I mean by that is either you're a Mac user, um, and that's an OS question, that's not a, a, a hardware question, or you're a PC guy. Right. And uh, a choice, so, right? Yeah. yeah, that decision is made long before you get to the hardware. Um, so by, if you're a Mac person, you're going to decide that you want the Mac OS, and then you're going to decide which Apple product you want. Um, if you're in the PC space, you're a Windows person or maybe some other OS, alternative OS, and then you decide what hardware you want to, want to pursue. And so PC vendors have a much broader choice, obviously, from a competitive set of products. And so that's why we feel like uh, from a hardware perspective, from a design perspective and materials, and from a customer experience perspective, we want to be extremely competitive with what Apple puts on the table, um, but I don't believe you know that I'm going to I'm going to move people from the Apple ecosystem into the PC space. We'll obviously take them if they want to come, but uh, my goal is to be the best solution from a PC perspective, uh, so that we are. Uh, basically seen as the leaders in the PC space. Because PC users want a nice computer too. It's not just the, the Apple users that want nice hardware. So I think that's probably part of it, right? So how long did it take to, to make this? What, what, what goes into designing a product? I mean, we talked about the Intel and the fact that they you know, brought the architecture there. From, from start to finish, how long did it take to design this product and get it ready for market? So, so typically it would take, um, once we have a locked definition, um, it's usually about a, a, a one-year life cycle from a development perspective. So um, the problem that we typically find with, with these types of devices is you will often have churn in what that definition is. So we may spend anywhere from six months to, to maybe even in some cases up to a year of really locking down that definition. Um, but once we actually have that definition locked, uh, we have our strategic partners like the Sharp Panels and, and things of that nature in place. 
then a development cycle for us is, is about 12 months. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty um, intense schedule because you're, you're building something from scratch here. You have to get it mass-produced, manufactured. So this is a pretty high-stress kind of process, I would imagine. Yeah, and that's, quite honestly, that's the execution part of it. I mean, really, you have to consider all of that upfront work because that's where we engage uh, from an architecture perspective. We engage the strategic partners like Sharp and Intel and others, uh, and, and that truly is part of the development cycle. We just don't necessarily count that um, when you talk about a true development time frame. Um, but, uh, you know, this thing has been on a drawing board for about two years. So to actually... Once we get everything locked down and a design and a material choice and, and all the commodities that we're going to utilize in the design, um, that's about a 12-month process. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, typically on these types of devices, and, and when I say these type, the XPS-type products that are very challenging to do uh, from not only an electrical but also a mechanical perspective, um, those products are usually about 18 months uh, on average from concept to actually shipping something. And constantly working, too, I would imagine. So let's uh, go on a little tour of the product here. You can't see what I'm seeing right now, but I've got the, uh, the computer on the desk here. We are plugged in, so I can't fold you up or we'll lose the call. But um, So we have the thin bezel. Uh, Sharp was a big part of making this display work to provide this for you. And I guess I have the touchscreen version. So this one is, is pretty rigid also because of the glass layer, right? Yeah. Yeah, so all of them are designed to, to basically meet our, our very stringent uh, commercial and consumer specs. Um, so from a rigidity perspective, um, whether uh, we have the Gorilla Glass uh, on the front for the, the touch version or the, the non-touch version, uh, the structural rigidity you're going to find in these devices are, are on par with the best in the industry. Um, so the machined aluminum, uh, what we call the A part, the, the display back, um, that part is really what brings the structural rigidity uh, into, the, into the equation. Um, and then layering that in with the display, and then when we get to the touch version and you actually throw on a piece of Gorilla Glass, um, that just further strengthens, strengthens the, the hinge-up assembly. Um, we're extremely impressed, uh, as, as have been the, the press and analysts that have reviewed the product. Uh, the finished goods, uh, you know, once we get all the pieces put together, are always a little bit stronger. I think you see this in the automotive space. Uh, as well, um, you know, typically you're a little bit better than your engineer, engineers would project initially. There's always got to be a little bit of conservatism uh, in the original projections. So not only did we come out more structurally rigid uh, in both the, the base and the hinge-up assemblies, um, we, we really surprised ourselves on our efficiencies. So um, the actual weight was originally projected to be closer to three pounds for this non-touch version, probably 2.9 pounds, we came in at 2.6 pounds. And, and on a three-pound thing, you know, that 10% is, is huge. So It's amazing uh, to come how, in like, that, when you get down to that weight, that just such a small difference in weight is, is noticeable, isn't it? Isn't it kind of weird? Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I was really impressed. Uh, I carried, obviously, our last-generation XPS 13 for three years, and uh, the first sample, the first, you know, full mock-up that we got of our full HD non-touch version, when someone handed it to me, I, I, we literally, you know, challenged the engineers, are you sure you didn't leave out something, right? Is there a battery <laughs> the hard drive or something? <laughs> yeah, is there something not in there? Because you, literally you can feel the difference from going from a three-pound thing to a 2.6-pound thing. Uh, it's very discernible. 
Now, I've got to talk about the, the web camera because I'm sure you're getting a lot of uh, people asking about it. So I guess you really don't have many options as to where to put it when you have such a thin bezel, right? So you put it down in the, in the corner there. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, this is the, if you want to say that we made any compromises or trade-offs on this product, really that was the one thing that we probably had the most uh, contention internally with uh, was actually displacing the camera from its traditional uh, top center position. Um, we really wanted to be disruptive with this product, and from a design and an impact perspective, we call it shelf appeal, but you can think of it from, from a housing perspective of curb appeal. Uh, when someone walks down the aisle at a Best Buy or a Fry's or a Costco or wherever this product is going to be found, um, we really wanted it to stand out and be differentiated. And doing narrow bezels on the side only um, is more of a me-too thing. We've seen some products that have been very aggressive, uh, Samsung did a really good job a few years ago of getting really aggressive in that X dimension. Um, but we really wanted to push the envelope and make sure that that Y dimension wasn't ignored. Uh, and so what we were able to do is come up with a, what we felt to be a very acceptable uh, compromise, moving the camera down into the lower left-hand bezel, um, which, uh, you know, gives you what I'm looking at today, which I can still see you. It's, it's uh, one of the things that made it more palpable for us is, um, when you take a cell phone or a tablet and you do Skype or you do FaceTime, um, you never hold the device up, right, level with you, what is what, which is what we expect uh, when you're using a traditional desktop or, or a notebook. And so that kind of, of usage pattern, and obviously we feel like younger generations are, are more uh, attuned with doing video uh, imaging and chatting, and, and that's a very common practice to use either your tablet or your phone. So that gave us a little bit of extra security in being able to make that decision. Uh, it is, you know, by far not traditional, uh, but we really felt like that little bit of a compromise was well worth the impact that we got in the overall system. So, Donnie, I'm a bit of a, of a keyboard nerd, and that means that I'm very particular about my typing. And when I saw the, um, the specs, the, the keyboard was, was rather chiclet-sized, and I was like, oh, this is going to be an issue. But what's funny is the keys are a little bit smaller than full-size, but you space them properly. What goes into keyboard design to, to satisfy people like me? Sure. I mean, I can tell you, um, I, don't, I don't believe that there's any company um, probably in this industry that has done more keyboard um, engineering and research and analysis over the last 20 years. And, and a lot of that uh, basically began back in the early latitude days where we were continually chasing the IBM ThinkPad um, keyboard. I mean, they were, you know, by far viewed as, as the premium uh, and best keyboards and notebooks uh, devices uh, in the industry. So, um, you know, we, we basically hired an entire usability team. Initially, our first uh, UX team was, was here uh, brought in for keyboard analysis and keyboard development. Um, and so that has actually stuck with us. That's one of the, uh, the pieces that is critical to Dell, not only from a consumer perspective and for XPS, but also on the commercial side still. Uh, we continually work with and refine our engineering uh, designs behind the keyboard. Uh, I mean, it, it's truly a science, the deflection amount, the, the rebound, all of those things. It, you know, it, I think we had gotten to the point when keyboard travel was two and a half or three millimeters, um, where it was very easy to deliver a great experience if, if you put the right resources behind it. Now that we're down in the one and a half, sub one and a half millimeter travel, 
um, that challenge is significant. If you go back, I mean, I, I can recall a, a Toshiba keyboard from probably about 10 or 15 years ago that was one millimeter travel in it, and it really felt like you were typing on rock. Um, and so to be able to massage that uh, from a form factor perspective and from a from an experience perspective is is a testament to the engineers that work on this. And quite honestly, you know, we can come up with great designs and great influence uh, from a from an engineering perspective, but it really boils down to our keyboard manufacturing uh, folks and partners being able to deliver a product that is uh, as good as what you're getting in the product now, uh, and then also being able to consistently manufacture that. Uh, the tolerances there are are really really challenging and difficult. Um, so uh, I was I'm not a keyboard guy, um, even though I use a notebook you know 12 hours a day, and I don't use external keyboards or external displays. Um, I've always been somewhat pretty easy to satisfy there. Uh, and what I noticed in moving from our our previous generation XPS 13 to the new one. Uh, is and I can't describe it technically, but just the feel of the keys and, and being able to type, I, I felt much more comfortable. Um, and, and not that I was unhappy with, with the old XPS 13, but um, it's kind of like that new car smell. For whatever reason, um, the new XPS 13 felt different. It's a new keyboard for us. We pulled about 0.2 millimeters um, out of that overall design. Um, but they actually implemented some new things that helped the, the feel of the keyboard uh, be significantly improved. So um, that's a testament to Erin uh, Walleen and her team of usability folks here our, our, um, in our engineering design and, uh, group. Um, they've done a great job over many, many years of, of compiling the information and working with our uh, vendors to come up with a really great uh, customer-focused solution. Um, that keyboard is a what we would call a full-size keyboard based on uh, the TUV requirements, a 19.1-millimeter spacing, plus or minus a millimeter. So we are able to get a full-size spacing across all the keys that you utilize. Um, the function keys are slightly smaller uh, in size. Um, but uh, from a usability perspective, it's huge, right? One of the things that we focus on from an XPS perspective, we call it front-of-screen performance, and a lot of folks misinterpret that as just to be focused on the display. And what front of screen performance is for us, it's a brand tenant, if you will. Um, it's about every customer interaction point. So that's the keyboard, uh, the touchpad or the navigation, uh, the IO and the ports and the display. So those are the things that customers have to live with, you know, from a physical interaction perspective throughout the life of their product. So those are, you know, top of mind for us, keyboard being the secondary uh, input device compared to the display. Um, so it, it has to be as close to perfect as we can get it. Yeah, because I, I really feel, and I, my thing with keyboards is I know it when I see it or feel it or type on it, and the spacing, I think, is what made it work for me was that it was there. So uh, one last thing is just on the use of carbon fiber. I'm not, we're, we're starting to see this pop up more and more. Talk to us about that material and how you implemented it here. Sure. Um, from a Dell perspective, we, um, I don't want to say we own carbon fiber. I think, uh, you know, other Companies like Sony had been shipping carbon-infused uh, plastics for many years. Um, when we implemented carbon fiber, we, we really did that with a purpose. So the materials that we choose um, are very authentic materials, and, and we don't implement them necessarily for show, even though that's what the consumer sees. Um, everything, you know, every feature, the choices that we make on materials all of that is obsessed over. And so the machined aluminum was obviously the, the outer structure and, and really the, 
the structural backbone of the product, if you will, and what, what protects everything within it. Carbon fiber was implemented for a few different reasons. Obviously, there's the aesthetic reason, which, which I think uh, is very appealing. But uh, from a structural perspective, carbon is actually more strong than a lot of metals. And so uh, we wanted to not only implement a cosmetic part, but also a structural carbon fiber part. Another key um, element of carbon fiber is it's a really good insulator compared to if we had done a, a magnesium or an aluminum palm rest, that's going to transfer heat uh, a lot worse or better, depending upon how you look at it, uh, than a carbon fiber palm rest would. Uh, if you look back to our last generation, we had carbon fiber on the bottom of the system, uh, and, and we chose it for the same reasons, for its structural, structural integrity, um, its uh, insulating purposes, and, and obviously the aesthetics. Uh, we moved it to the inside of the device um, really to go back to uh, kind of that shelf appeal perspective so that a customer could truly enjoy that all day, not just when they have the system closed and we're happening to, to look at the bottom of the system. Um, but then it also helps us insulate heat from the inside of the system uh, to the user. So you get this nice kind of uh, warm, not, not in the heat sense, but a nice warm inviting material finish, uh, a nice aesthetic. Uh, and then it also helps us with that structural integrity that we referred to earlier that gives you that kind of bulletproof uh, uh, feel when you grab it and you torque it. And it also, you also put on like a, a little um, layer of like some kind of rubberized gripping material too, right? Yeah, we use uh, a lot of people, it's, it's soft touch paint, basically. You'll see that used uh, in a lot of uh, products. What we actually do, uh, you typically see it in colors. We actually do a clear um, soft touch paint that is infused with silicon. And that's what allows you to see the, um, uh, the carbon fiber weave. It also mutes that a little bit. A lot of times, you know, carbon fiber, highly polished, if you look at the inside of a Ferrari or an exotic car, it can be a little more polarizing. Um, it, it's beautiful to some. Some others may not think so. So adding that layer of um, soft-touch paint uh, does two things. It, it mutes that effect a little bit and makes it a little, little easier on the eyes, um, kind of quiets the, uh, the carbon fiber weave. But then it also gives us a really nice, uh, pleasurable um, place to rest your palms, uh, much, much nicer to, to touch than a metal or a non-coated uh, part. Carbon fiber, um, while it's a good insulator, if it didn't have that soft-touch coat on it, it would be hard like a piece of metal as well. So yeah, it feels really a lot like metal. I've got a carbon fiber tripod, and it feels it's very metallic feeling, so you'd have that. I know my, my MacBook sometimes in the morning when I'm using it, it's like walking on cold tile. <laughs> that metal gets really cold, so it would be, it would be similar with that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Interesting. So how do you clean it, too? Because it does tend to pick up a little bit of uh, fingerprint and stuff, just like a wet cloth or something. Um, so uh, this is something that, that, you know, we've been dealing with. The, these dark interiors are beautiful. It's kind of like a black car. They look great when you clean them. Uh, if you go eat a cheeseburger for lunch, uh, you know, you're, you're going to need some wipes. And um, what I've traditionally used, uh, I'll just take, a, um, honestly, a, a, a bleach wipe, one of those uh, wet wipes that you can get. Um, you wipe it down uh, when the system is, is turned off or, or in sleep mode. Um, you know, the, the touchpad probably being a glass surface um, is probably the one where you're going to pick up the most fingerprinting. Yeah, that's what uh, I got. And those, those wipes, basically I run that over my palm rest and touchpad, a few passes. Um, that picks up the, the oils um, uh, that you would, would leave there. Uh, and then I just dry it off with a, with a rag, and, and it uh, looks like brand new. Great. Well, that's good because people were asking about that, too. So that's a good, uh, good tip to uh, 
get it cleaned off. So what's next? I mean, we can fit a 13-inch screen in an 11-inch body. Are we going to fit a 15-inch screen in a 13-inch body now? Is that are there, are there more ideas on this design language that we might see in the coming months? Yeah, Alon, I mean, we, we traditionally don't comment on future products, but, um, you know, from a capabilities perspective, uh, the same mechanical application that we used in, on this 13-inch display um, could be applied to any display, right? So whether it be an 11-inch uh, in a 9-inch form factor or, uh, you know, a 15-inch in a 14-inch in a form factor, um, a 17-inch in a 15-inch form factor, uh, the, the possibilities, uh, I won't say they're endless or, or infinite, but um, this type of a, of a mechanical packaging exercise can be applied to, uh, you know, not to, to any panel manufacturer. Obviously, Sharp uh, is the only one in the industry right now that's capable of, of doing what we're doing. And we have exclusivity on those panels through uh, Q3 of this year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean... I would just say, you know, stay tuned uh, for, for what's coming in the future from XPS perspective. There's uh, obviously a, a family heritage or lineage that we would want to uh, make sure that, that we establish with the new XPS 13. And, and uh, you will likely see that carried forward uh, in the rest of the portfolio as, as we ro roll out new products over the next year or so. And one last question for you before we let you go. Everyone's been talking about the death of the PC. Um, PCs definitely are far from, from dead. Uh, how do you react to people that say, oh, it's all about tablets now? What do you say to, to that? Well, I think you just hit it on the head, right? And we saw a huge drop-off in tablet demand over the last year. Um, and and I, I'm not going to say that tablets are going to die. I think uh, tablets, what, what happened... Uh, in the early advent of the iPad and other tablets from, from uh, some of the other leading manufacturers, um, a lot of folks, you know, thought that that could take the place of a primary computing device. And, uh, you know, a tablet, for the most part, is a secondary or a companion device. And uh, if you've ever tried to use one as a primary device, um, unless, unless you're very special, it's very difficult to do. So, um, you know, I think a year and a half, two years ago, there was a lot of concern about uh, tablets are displacing uh, notebook sales, that, that folks are actually buying tablets and, and they're replacing notebooks with them. And I think what actually the, the fact of the matter was that it wasn't necessarily replacing a notebook sale. It was just delaying a notebook sale. Um, you know, you go back three or four years, and, and while we've seen a huge uh, improvement in notebook form factors and, and performance and capabilities, those notebooks from five years ago are still in service. And so can I stretch one out another year and, and maybe spend, you know, my allowance this year on a tablet? I think that was the mindset of, of a lot of consumers, uh, and they did that. And I think what you're seeing now, at least in the la last year, uh, for, for instance, um, you know, all the top five manufacturers, definitely the top three manufacturers in the PC space saw great growth. And a lot of that was fueled in the notebook space. So, um, yeah, the PC is a long way from being dead, um, and, uh, you know, we want to be one of the last ones standing uh, when, when that happens, if that ever happens. Um, we really think it, it's an evolution. Um, you know, we want to continue to refine products like the XPS 13 such that not only can we deliver a great experience uh, for the customer who buys it, um, but, you know, do you really need a tablet if you have something that's, uh, that compact and, and that's really um, versatile in being able to give you something that's lightweight, small, could fit in a purse, 
but also gives you the, the primary uh, productivity device that you need when you do need to sit down and do Outlook or Word or PowerPoint, whatever that might be. So You guys should get work done on it. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're extremely excited about the PC space, um, and I, I think you will obviously continue to see uh, innovation from Dell uh, across all of our different lines of businesses in the PC space. Great. Well, Donnie, thank you so much for your time. It's rare that we get an opportunity to talk to people behind the products, so I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of walk us through uh, the, the Dell Notebook here and being very candid about um, where the industry is going and, and, and your role in it with Dell. So thanks again for joining us, and I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Lon. Appreciate you having us. And this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching.